Hello, and welcome back to Maximum Riffage and Cartoon Violence, the Hello World podcast sponsored by Music Loser. I'm Ben. Today we'll be discussing the origins and histories behind some of your favorite Hello World songs. But first, a word from our sponsor. You've waited long enough. The new single from the Kentucky Fried Mouth Breathers is here. Corn Fart is the new big hit song from everyone's favorite country trap harsh noise band, the Kentucky Fried Mouth Breathers. Their new single is now streaming on Spotify with a video on the way next week. Keep your ears peeled for tour dates and a new album coming out soon, only on Music Loser Records. Oh, wasn't that just wonderful? Anyway, today I'm going to be digging through every single released song on the Hello World Bandcamp and just shuffling through them so I can, you know, tell some stories about them. This is in anticipation for the eventual episode where I do this for the new album, Atlantic Witchcraft. But there's uh, so much other other material that I've released that I can't really give every I can't give everything I've ever put out that kind of attention. That would be ridiculous, and if I'm being honest, kind of painful. So I'm just gonna hit shuffle and talk about the songs that come up. Ooh, okay, uh, okay, good pick. So this is uh, having a time on the birthplace of avarice EP. This song is uh, is an outtake from You Are Not Immune to Trends. It was one of the last songs I cut for the album. In fact, initially, I was going to have this on the album, and I was going to cut Indifference instead, but I decided at the last second that Indifference belonged and this didn't. This is also one of the older songs uh, written for You Are Not Immune. I mean, there's there are songs there that are pretty old, but this one uh, I wrote while I was still at TCNJ, so the song was written in Ewing. I just didn't record it until I was uh, back home in Mount Laurel. I still like this one a lot, and especially since some of my views on trends have changed over time, I sometimes think that this song actually should have stayed on the album and it was other songs that should have gotten cut. But I mean, different strokes for different folks. Despite not keeping it on the album, I'm actually still quite proud of this one. Okay, next song. Okay. Huh. This is 158 Years of Beautiful Sex, a Guided by Voices cover released on the Pinkest Lifestyle EP. This was recorded late January 2017, so I was either just about to turn 18 or I had just turned 18. Or it was my birthday, it could have been any of them. And I waited six months to release it because initially it was going to be for uh, a very, very poorly planned uh, split single with Andy from a band I like called Barlow, and he was going to do another song from Tonics and Twisted Chasers. We never ended up doing that, but I liked the recording, so I waited until the time was right to release it. I'm going to be honest, I, I actually still like this recording. I think it's a, I think it's a pretty solid cover of the song. But at the end of the day, I don't know. There's a reason I don't go back to this one too much. I don't think I really need to. All right, what's next? Oh. <laughs> Equinox is one of the weirdest Hello World albums to record. That, that was kind of a mess. This was a song I recorded after moving into TCNJ. I, then I, I went back home for a weekend after, uh, after a breakup. So this was a song that I either did completely in one take or I did the guitar once and then the then the vocal and that was that I don't remember the order I just know this song is for Cena and it's about 
the ghost that you know for a fact haunts Fursina. This song's in a weird tuning. I don't remember what. I don't really care to remember what. I just remember... Yeah, I just I just remember recording this one in my basement very quickly. I guess lis- listening uh, listening to it again, it's an okay song, but I mean it's it's at the end of the day, it's nothing to really write home about. Ooh, okay. This is Church of Julia uh, from the 2017 classic Wreckage. I still think it's the best album I put out that year. Uh, this is track two. I don't know why, but I've always really had a soft spot for this one. I mean, that album has a lot of heavy hitters. Like, at the second half of the first half, doesn't have as many, I think. But I really like this one. Um, uh, uh, I think this. I think I wrote this one about a guy who, like, just lost his wife. De- death. Death stuff. Just a guy dealing with the crushing loneliness of, you know, having spent years with someone you could always rely on. And now that person's gone and he's just on his own. And he's starting to hallucinate that she's still there. I don't know. I mean, it's it's a it's it's a it's a good tune. I mean, it's there's a reason it's not a memory lane bombing. I didn't think it was good enough to really, you know, try to carry it over into the new era. But nonetheless, I, I am proud of this song. Who? Another Trends outtake on Birthplace of Avarice. This was one of the first songs I wrote for the album, which was called uh, Indie Rock Domesticated. And it's about how I think that indie rock is losing a lot of its edge. And I don't mean in the sense that, oh, pop is bad. I mean, I think pop is bad, but I just don't like that kind of music. And I don't like what it stands for. I guess what it doesn't. But the issue here is that I thought that those sorts of attitudes were starting to make their way into indie Whereas, like, at least on a major label, it's like, okay, there's no illusions about that kind of music sounding like that because they're pushing it to make money. It's very purely about the money. Whereas in indie, you could at least try to argue there's still some integrity left. And this song is about my disappointment in that, and that bands are getting softer. It's like, why? I don't know. I still listen to mostly older indie, so I don't know. I still think there's some newer indie that kicks ass, but at the end of the day, I also do think that as a whole, indie is kind of neutered. And there's all, even Black Midi isn't as wild as I'd hoped they would be. I don't know. There's a lot to be disappointed about. I think I, I, think I cut this song just because I thought it was a little too bitter, which it is. It's a very bitter song. But again, like I said before, talking about having a time, the way I feel that trends now means it might not have been a bad idea to just keep this on the album. I don't know. My always feel kind of weird about this one. Okay, next. <sighs> this is a reaching um, from last year's Some Shred of Optimism. At the time, I really liked this one. Uh, I don't I don't like this song very much anymore. I don't know. It's I don't I don't know how to describe what I don't like about this one anymore. I just I I'm I'm not so into it now. I think now what I thought was charming about it then now just sounds kind of repetitive to me. I don't know. This one doesn't really do it for me anymore. Ooh, okay. I remember doing this one. Um, Warm Spring Day is an album 
from 2018. It was an album I made back at the TCNJ Towers. So I made the overall majority of this album in on Traverse Six in my shitty room with my shitty apart with my uh, shitty roommate. But this song I remember because the original like the 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 acoustic guitar you hear in the very beginning of the song is the original I believe is the original demo from 2014 which I had written for another project and the riff just never went anywhere so four years later I was like alright it's time to do something with this except I blew it out of proportion and made this song seven minutes long for oh really I only made it that long because I I was like huh wouldn't it be cool if this was the longest Hello World song I don't, I, I don't know I mean I think this song has good parts it's one of the that's the running theme between a lot of my 2018 songs. I think there are parts of songs that are really good. But as a whole, there's just something really, really missing. I mean, this... I think some of you know now that I do record with a computer now. And it's like, oh, I hate DAWs. And I was like that for years, which was true. I absolutely did not really like recording DAWs. But that's because I was in a situation like this. Like, my microphone was a rock band mic. I was plugging my guitar straight into the USB slot. So I had to keep the volume on the guitar itself way down. I've my process was not refined. Let's put let's put it that way. My process wasn't refined and I wasn't getting what I probably could have out of my setup. But at the same time, I also don't think the time was right for me to really go into a setup like that. Anyway, cold cold home here is uh I remember spending a while on this because somewhere during the making of the album, I went home and I think I brought my electric guitar home and brought back my acoustic and then I went home again and swapped them again and the song was recorded during both periods which is why there's so much acoustic guitar and not as much electric guitar just because of when I recorded it. I don't remember when this stopped being the longest Hello World song. I just know that it was for a while. Actually, no, I do know when it stopped. The next album, but that's... If we get there, we'll get there. Okay, um, this uh, this this is Toy Heaven. This is a fairly recent song. Uh, this this is Toy Heaven, an uh, accorded outtake on Three Cheers for Unity. I had just purchased a Casio VL1 off eBay, and I wanted to do a whole song where all the music was just that. Uh, the issue with the VL1 was that the octave switches busted, so it only played. It was so like the, this keyboard, the octave switch has a low, medium, and high because it's a two octave keyboard, so it can't play like everything. And it's busted. It still is busted, so it can only play the high notes, which is pretty okay as accompaniment if you can mix it right. I think some of the times the notes get like shrill high, and I don't think that works good in a mix. But sometimes it's it's just right. But for making you know a song on its own and only using that keyboard, like there's going to be no low notes, so the whole mix just comes out sounding kind of empty. I know I tr absolutely tried writing uh, lyrics for this one once, and the reason it's not on the album and it's on an outtakes collection is because I couldn't. It just stayed an instrumental. It's an okay instrumental, but uh, yeah, it definitely. I wanted it. I certainly wanted it to have lyrics, and I don't know. Man, okay. Uh, this is undecided class of 2021 from an EP I did back in high school called Your Shit Parade which is based on an old TV show called Your Hit Parade. Um, I don't remember a ton about this song. Like, I'm listening to it now, and there's some stuff I obviously remember. I mean, I know that the... This was the first track in the EP, and I had the EP bookended with different recordings of the same riff. 
I know that the song itself is only okay, but the sort of basic intro riff idea was reused and, in my opinion, utilized a lot better on Beauty Through the Centuries on Wreckage. I mean, this... Here, you want some tidbits. Your shit parade kicked off an incredibly fertile period in Hello World. It's the kind of period where now I would have gathered all the songs to be one album, you know, like I actually do now. But at the time, it was like, I have half an hour. Great. That's an album. So then I was still doing a two EPs, then an album, two EPs, then an album. And it was during this precise period where I stopped doing that. But over the course of the month, I had recorded four EPs of material and two full albums. And even looking back, the EPs, yeah, they're, they're pretty hit or miss, but the albums were Welcome to the Pony Club and Wreckage, which I still think might have been the best albums that I did in 2017. It was like an oddly fertile period. I don't think I ever had that much going on for even the rest of that year. Like, I'm going to be honest, Undecided, like, it's an okay song. It's got some good melodies, but I don't know. It just, like, it's not a good mix. It's... I mean, it's a 2017 Hello World song. It's just kind of a mess. Ooh, okay, this one's short. This is Epilogue from Operation Complete. This was the end of a song called Starcross Dreams that I decided to separate from the song. Starcross Dreams was also cut, so these were songs that I recorded for um, uh, Only Mostly There which is an interesting album to talk about. I don't want to get too in-depth about it right now because this song's not on it. Um, Epilogue is a bad song, as is Starcross Dreams. Uh, I mean, I'm just going to let it play. I don't really care. There's some odd falsettos in there. I don't know. I don't love that one. Which takes us to... Um, okay, okay. I do remember working on this one. Uh, this is Zoom 85 off of Dead Where Love Stands. There's actually a good bit to talk about here. So first, Zoom 85 is a title taken from, I think, a Guided by Voices propeller cover that includes an alternate track list for the album that is never mentioned anywhere else, and it lists a track called Zoom 85, Mesh Gear Fox. So they're listed as the same song. And uh, I thought the name was cool because Bob, Bob Pollard never used it again. The song originally, I want to say it was called Dysphoria, which for obvious reasons I wasn't going to use again. I originally wrote Dysphoria for my old high school band, which was called Naked Ant back in 2016. And then I sat on it for a year. And then I decided while I was working on uh, the Chariots and Candles EP that it, it the time was right to bring it back. And I was working on it. I had it all done except, uh, except for the fake drums, which I was going to do in Logic in my school's art building. Then I had six songs on for Chariots and Candles, and I thought that was enough, and I thought that was good and done. So Zoom 85, which was recorded on 8-track otherwise, was now without drums and without a home. So the plan was going to be to do an EP called Dead Where Love Stands while I was at home for Thanksgiving break, during which time I uh, pirated Mixcraft and used that to make a lot of music uh, over the course of the next half year or so. And I think this is the first thing I did with it was I, uh, with no quantization or anything, I pulled up one of the drums and pulled up, uh, you know, keyboard typing, magical typing, whatever you call it in Mixcraft. And I added really bad keyboard drums to this song. I think it actually came out okay. Um, but I mean, 
you know, it's a, it's a lot to talk about a song that I don't know. I haven't really listened to or thought about in a long time. When does it say I last listened to it? iTunes says I last listened to it April 19th, 2019, which is really cool. I'm amazed it was that recently. Okay. Cause I mean, it's another 2017. So I don't look back at those songs very much. Okay. Speaking of chariots and candles, this is the remake of the song Saving Burma. Uh, Saving Burma was a song I wrote for my high school band Naked Ant, and it was going to be the title track for our first album. Um, and I remember making a really good, really, really good demo for the song. And then when I recorded it with the band, I was so intent on just getting it done and not really focusing on it. So for years, I always thought the demo was better than the album version. So, I mean... Now at this point, this is late 2017, that band was long done. So I decided, okay, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna re-record Saving Verma the way I thought it should have sounded. Yeah, I actually I do really still like this one. I mean the structure of it's a little odd, but I, I do still like that chord progression. I like the melodies, I like the shout, which uh Considering I don't think most of you listen to Hello World, I bet half of you didn't even know me at this time. The hook is like, Saving Burma! And it's really good with a lot of layered vocals. I think it's the kind of song that if I did it now with my current setup, it would be destructive. Whereas it really wasn't at the time. I don't know. To be honest, that EP was a solid, solid body of work. Okay. Um, this is the first track from the best 2018 album. A collection of X's and Y's. It's a little acoustic song. It's really quiet. It's called Stray Cat Rock, which I got because one of the pieces of the album cover was from a Korean movie poster. I think it was Korean. Korean or Japanese for a movie poster whose title translated to Stray Cat Rock, Wild Jumbo. And Wild Jumbo was the closing track. The riff for Stray Cat Rock, I want to say, dates back to Open Casket Beach from the summer. I mean, listening to the song right now, I mean, it's already past the halfway point. I just know it's it's really quiet. I don't really know why I actually honestly put it on the album. It's it's just I I want to talk more about how I made X's and Y's, but I think not right now because a new song's gonna come on in like two seconds, and I don't want to. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> oh, turning this one up. Uh, this is blanket alienation from You Are Not Immune to Trends. This is. The best song on that album. This is one of the best. This is one of the best songs I've ever written, and I think it's written about a a king who's failing his people, as were a lot of songs in that album. That was that's the most overtly political Hello World album, and and I, and I think this song is a great example of that. And um, <coughs> what I remember about this song, well, there's a lot I could say about this song. So first, I'll say, well, one, it's another very political song. I remember writing the lyric, what's a king to do besides a queen and her sisters, which I still think is one of the funnier lines I've written in a song. But because this song never got played live, I don't think anyone really cares. I don't know, I mean, it's on Spotify. You can listen to it now and you should. There's no electric guitars. All the guitars in this one are acoustic. <laughs> There's three other really interesting things about it to me. One is that for whatever reason, I always thought I ended up sounding like Dylan from Cheyenne Dan on this one. See, now that I've said that, I'm not going to edit that out. So, Dylan, if you're listening, uh, I think you'd like this song. Um, two is that the song's in an alternate tuning. I tuned the D string down to B. That's that's the tuning. It's it's not much, but 
it gives you a really, really weird sonic palette that I thought really worked. And the third is that this wasn't the first song I wrote for Trends named Blanket Alienation. I had another song called, um, called Blanket Alienation that was, I think it was done, and I was ready to go mix it down for Trends, and I listened to it again, and I thought, ah, something's not right, and I just canned it. So the title came to this, and I don't remember where the lyrics went. I don't think they went anywhere, but the music, or at least parts of the music, uh, were used on the song's title track, actually. That's you. The song You're Not Immune to Trends gained incredibly mild traction amongst my friends. I've come to really not like that song. Uh, you know what? Screw it. Let Blank and finish. Real quick, the song You're Not Immune to Trends I wrote in my bed at 1.30 in the morning without a guitar in like 15 minutes with the intent of writing a song so simple that it would be incredibly accessible and it would very easily catch on despite not quite being what I wanted to do with Hello World at that point. I was like, well, people would actually listen to this if it's like really simple and straightforward. And people, I mean, maybe it was the video, but people were actually talked about it a little bit after I put it out. Like just a few of my friends were like, this song is really good. Yeah, it, it, I don't like it anymore. Blanket Alienation's a great song, though. Ooh, okay. So this is a Worth It from Stereo Butterfly. Stereo Butterfly, uh, I that was the first album I recorded at TCNJ ever. I might, I don't, okay, I didn't. Um, I know I wrote I wrote the basis of the song with, I had a little cheap Zoom multi-effects pedal that I used for all my guitar stuff. And because I didn't have a bass on campus yet, I um, I had a pitch shifter on it to bring the guitar down a full step, not a whole step, an octave. And I, rather than using it to just play a weird fake warbly bass, I decided I was gonna actually write a song with the song sounding like that. And that that's what Worth It became. I mean, um. I mean, I think Stereo Butterfly has aged kind of poorly. I think a lot of the songs are just kind of slogs to listen to. Like, there's not a ton going on. And uh, and I think this song is a great example of that. I remember writing, I remember recording the original pitch shifted guitar track on my, sitting on my floor, which if you've ever been in the towers or have lived there, you know is not the most pleasant experience. But I mean, just the way I had everything arranged in my room and my recording set up in my room, that was just kind of how things had to be. It's interesting listening to this now, and it's like, maybe it's just confidence has like changed over time, but I think if I sang this now, the vocal would be a lot more powerful. It, this is not the most powerful vocal performance. All right, uh, this this song's gonna end soon, so I'm just gonna let it uh, let it run out. Yeah, um, point being, I mean, I don't know, it's, it's not worth it, I guess. Ooh, okay. I don't, I could talk a lot about this song, but I'm not going to. Um, this is the title track from 2017's Welcome to the Pony Club. The name is an abstraction or two away from being a really obscure Swirlies reference. Like their website says they released a flash drive and the name was in German, so I translated it and it came out to Welcome to the Pony Club. So I wrote a song with, with that name, Welcome to the Pony Club. I know, at least by the end of the song, this song has some incredible guitar layering, like with its leads. I mean, you're not going to hear this, but I'm going to skip ahead and listen to those parts again. 
there's I don't know it's it's a good tune it's a good it's interesting because I I usually like I usually save um save longer songs uh for like later parts of an album or like the end of the first half or the end of the second half or if Atlantic Witchcraft is going to be what it is the end of side C or D or from really bold E but uh this is the opening track and it's still not something I love doing a ton, having albums open with really long songs. Because this isn't really long, it's 421, but it's the longest in the album. Even at the time, I seemed like it, I thought it was a weird track to put first, but it just fit too well. Alright, next. Okay, um, man, you might even hear this through the headphones. Um, I'm, uh, I have to, okay, um. This this is our One Machine, One Long Fight, which is a Lou Barlow cover that I put on Writer's Block 4. This cover is really fuzzy and intense. And I remember recording some of this because I remember getting a little lightheaded shouting on this one. I think. I could be wrong. I thought this cover was really cool when I recorded it and listening to it now. It's, something's off about it. This song is interesting for me to have done last year last june i think weird to think this cover is almost a year old it feels like i just did it but the song one machine long one long fight and especially the version i did was one of the songs i listened to a lot in high school whereas solo lou barlow is something that i just kind of took a several years break from because i don't know i wasn't as sad anymore um i don't know um this is kind of an interesting cover pick and I don't think whatever I was trying to do with it worked okay <laughs> this um this this is a uh, dancing on the truth from the last album I recorded as a high as a college freshman which was called songs to get hard to I recorded this song only because I needed like three more minutes to call the album an album I mean that album is nine songs it's it's a weird sort of first half of high school recorded both at home and at school sort of thing. I recorded, I think, I know I recorded the guitar um, when I got back to TCNJ uh, after spending the first half of finals week home. I uh, I came back to TCNJ. I remember I came back to TCNJ right as my roommate who I hated was on his way out because all his finals were done and none of mine started yet. So I know I recorded the guitar in my room with him out and then i recorded the vocals uh very off the cuff i had lyrics but not a ton i guess uh in a practice room in the basement of the music building i remember when i put this out uh jared who was playing bass in hello world's live and connection at the time said he really liked the song which is weird because it's not a good song i don't want to listen to this anymore oof shit I, I kind of wished I was getting more, like, really old songs and all this so I can talk about older songs, but okay. This is Rock Fucking Bottom from Quartered. Uh, uh, I wrote this, I recorded this, I wrote and recorded the song, basically, I think the same night as the Silver Juice cover. Um, so this is the second to last song in Quartered. I had, a, my junior year started off badly i don't know why it started off so badly just something was horribly wrong and i spent most of september feeling absolutely miserable and i think at this point i was just a little too lost in my thoughts and i was starting to feel 
less and less like an independent adult and more like a child who needs to rely on everyone around me. If I'm going to be honest, I still feel like that, but I'm able to balance that out with the fact that at the very least I can, to some degree, take care of myself. I have at least that going for me. But I remember this song feeling like just absolute trash. So what do you do when you're absolute trash? You write, I don't know, tender folk songs. I performed this live too. And the point in the set where I performed it was after a bunch of lively songs. So I went and did this. And I think after I performed it, I apologized. Because it's... This is probably the saddest song. This is, okay, this is the alright saddest song I've ever written from the, from the context of... It makes me sad listening to it. There are other songs that make me feel even worse about myself listening to them. But that's not for right now. There's, those are like witchcraft songs. They're not going to come up here. I don't have those in the shovel. Fuck. All right. Um, this um, this this was um, this is uh, I don't I don't really want to talk about this. Okay, fine. Uh, this this is a uh, teenage wino from twenty summer twenty seventeen's album, My Heaven. I wrote this about someone who I thought was kind of cute at the time, and I think over the rest of the summer I ended up writing a few more songs about her. Um, it was just interesting because I think whatever contact we had online i think i said something really stupid one day and we stopped talking in the middle of july and i did not talk to her a single time ever at tcnj the person that this song is about which is wow it's just odd to think about sometimes i guess because i still remember her vaguely i remember her name i wish i didn't and this song was about her Another fun fact with the song is I always wanted to get the chance to perform this live, but the song was recorded in C standard, so it's two whole steps down from regular standard, so there's really no comfortable way to perform a song like this. I remember thinking this was one of the better songs in the album when it came out, and I think it's still an okay song, but for various reasons I just feel weird about it. It has a lot of trademarks of Hello World of that era, where I just flailed wildly on guitar for a while. I just com would just completely wing it and be like, sure, this works. Okay. <laughs> this is Le Maison Identique from Three Chase for Unity. It's a quartered outtake. I wanted to try to write a song that like obnoxiously sounded like Stereolab, but I ended up just really ripping off uh, Wow and Flutter. Like it's the same chords from Wow and Flutter. I was really trying to write a song that sounded like that because I was really into Stereolab. I'm just going to call it a failed experiment and leave it at that because I don't want to listen to this uh, more. Ooh, okay. This is version one of Robot Dance from Dead Magnolias. So this was a Faded Star outtake. Faded Star, when I was the last album I recorded of 2018. I released 15 albums in 2018, and Faded Star was the last one. And the thing with that album was when I started working on it in early December, I think during finals week, the plan was... Um, was with how much I had started, I was going to be like, huh, I guess this is going to be another double album. The overwhelming majority of the songs that I, that I had ready to go, like started at TCNJ before I went home for winter vacation, got canned because they were just bad. Like this song I tried to re-record because I thought the mix was kind of weird. Like this song was all done at TCNJ and there's another version that was all done at home. And uh, both of them got cut, which is why they bookended Dead Magnolias. 
Faded Star was a weird album to make in that regard because I ended up recording the overall majority, like most of what you hear on that album was recorded in Mount Laurel rather than Ewing. And then it came out on Christmas, so like it really didn't end up taking that long to record. I think it's pretty strong sometimes, nonetheless. Faded Star, at least. Dead Magnolias is just a bunch of outtakes. I put it out on December 31st, 2018. Ooh, okay. At the time, Shang Sam from I Believe in Limbo, I considered one of my best songs. And even throughout 2017, I thought it was uh, one of the better songs I'd written that year, which is why I felt weird that it was just going to stay in an EB. I think this was supposed to be about a dude who like fell in love with an Asian immigrant or something. It's the kind of song I feel kind of weird talking about now, but I know the, the word Shang Sam had been in the back of my mind for several years because I thought it was just a cool word on its own. I looked at what it meant and thought, there will be a time where I can write a song with that name and it will work. Uh, and I guess during the great fertility songwriting period of 2017, that was the moment. And this is the last track on a... I belong in limbo. I think this song is actually still pretty okay, but I don't know if I'd ever really do anything with it ever again. It's also one of the few times on record where there I have two vocals going at once that are both in the center. Usually I like to pan vocals for the space, but the second vocal was just... I like to have the second vocal somewhere else if they're both playing the whole time because I like having the separation. Ah, oh, there goes sticky keys. Um, point is, I think by 2017 standards, the song's okay, but it'd be kind of weird. Actually, it might fit on Atlantic Witchcraft we recorded it, but I'm not going to. <sighs> okay. I remember this one. This is Paramount to the Cause, version one from the Zeus and Orbit EP. I think I ended up recording all of this in a lounge in New Res. And, and I cut it because I wanted the song to uh, have a drum machine, but I'd already recorded it. I don't know. I know I ran both my acoustic guitar and my vocals through my pedal board on this one. And I think the final version too, but this is the one I remember. Should be told I don't entirely remember why I actually scrapped this version. I think I just thought there wasn't enough going on. Fun fact, but I don't think anyone knew at the time, is Paramount to the Cause is based on um, uh, a song that was recorded but cut, and actually now that I think about it, not technically finished either for uh, Heaven Does Us In His Best, and that was an instrumental called Paramount, which opened an EP from around that time. Paramount to the Cause, I remember being really excited about when I got it to work, like the actual version, not version one. And so I put it in the set list for the show that was going to support Skin at 15 Degrees. By the time we got to the show, I was already tired of the song. I mean, that show was kind of a mess anyway, but I remember really not being into this song anymore. Huh, okay. <laughs> this is the demo for Love Sick Cure from the EP of the same name. The only reason the song even got released is because I wanted to put a thing out with that cover, which isn't, it wasn't even a great cover. It wasn't even like a high effort cover. I just wanted to release something with that as a cover. But Love Secure is a weird name for an EP or an album. So I decided it was gonna be like outtakes and shit instead. It's got a whole slew of recordings from various stuff. It's got a lot of romantic distance stuff. The reason that cut the demo and ended up not finishing it, like there's no bass because it's not a finished recording. 
was because I realized that I had not, the way I wrote the lyrics was not considering how I'd page the guitar. And I thought the song needed breaks between the verses and choruses that were not in this recording. I actually, by 2018 standards, I remember at the time thinking Love Secure was a great song. And even over the course of the year, I always remember feeling weird that I never performed it. I don't think I ever performed it. I know I didn't perform it because I was planning a live release, which is currently the only thing on my Bandcamp that is required to pay for because it's so bad. It went so badly. Was the Pods on the Lawn EP and Pods on the Lawn is um from the song. It's a lyric. Pods on the Lawn specifically referred to when Tide Pods were a big meme and I'd leave the towers and there would be splat Tide Pod splatter across the the, the ground outside of the towers like people had to have been opening windows and just chucking them out or they were dropping them right there on the floor and stomping on them it was it was it it was really just really weird and that's where pods on the lawn came on pods on the lawn from the laundry high because i always suspected people chucked them from the laundry rooms somehow all right what song is next Ooh. Another uh, Dead Magnolias track. This is one of the weirdest instrumentals I thought I could pull out of my ass. This is the demo for Red Hair. And it's called Demo because the music is completely different, but the lyrics are the same. This was right after X's and Y's, and I wasn't sure what I was going to do with the album that became Clear Skies Ahead, whether I should try to make another digital album, like another album on the computer, or stick with the A-track. So I recorded a bunch of acoustic songs in the A-track. And this song was recorded, but... I guess it goes without saying this version wasn't finished. I know of the tracks I recorded on the H on the A track while I my guitar was tuned down to C sharp standard and I was trying to figure out what I was gonna do with Clear Skies Ahead. I know second chance result, I think, came from that. Maybe Shanty for a Better Tomorrow. Injured Bird Song did, but that was a recording I sped up. I know this red hair demo is one of my earlier experiments in really trying to get weird with time signatures. That was something I didn't get the hang of until recently. I don't know. This is kind of not a good recording. Like, it just sounds bad. Huh. So this was Invisible Love performed at the AIM Haunted Hallway 2018. So this is on the Pop Punk and Denial EP. <laughs> Overlook, this was the second of two shows to ever have a consistent Hello Road lineup because it was still Jared and Misty on bass and drums. So this is Invisible Love, where I ran my acoustic guitar through Jared's amp and my fuzz. A fuzz I'm trying to get rid of, by the way, I will note. So the guitar sounded like kind of a buzzsaw the whole show. Which, listening back, was kind of sounds a little annoying, but I'm glad I did it. I thought it was to see if I could just do that once, and I did. Invisible Love, I'm singing an octave higher so that I could actually be heard. I remember the set list originally looked a little different in regards to songs from the then new album Halos for Scars and by the time we performed the show Invisible Love was the only song in the set. That's not true actually. We were going to also do Reaching Identical Moments as well as an Equinox track called August the Sleeping Now <laughs> but we ended up running out of time and we had to cut those two. I, I don't know. I actually like Invisible Love quite a bit. It's one of the songs where I think the original 2018 version like still holds up. Ooh. Huh. Another another Warm Spring Day song. I think I was I might have been kind of sick when I recorded this. 
Warm spring day, I recorded a... Was I coming out of spring break? I think I was coming out of spring break. So I did Magna Aliqua leading up to spring break. And then I went on break. I recorded Ataraxia in five days. And it shows because it's terrible. But then while I was home, I had a garage band on my phone and started making some instrumentals on my phone. My my three favorite songs on Warm Spring Day are all based on GarageBand instrumentals. This one I know I had to mess with a little for timing reasons. And then I also slowed it down because I wanted to hear it in E instead of F. I didn't like F. I thought it would have sounded better in E or whatever. And I'm really, really proud of this one. Even by current standards, I think this song came out pretty well. This song, Hold You In My Dreams, was... I won't note that I regret putting it where I did in the album. I think I should have swapped that with Violet Angel. I think Violet Angel doesn't fit for being later in the album the way this does, and Violet Angel fits better as the end of the first half. What I remember the most about Hold You In My Dreams as well is that, um... Is that, um, despite being written entirely on keyboards... Like, I don't think there's even a real bass on this one. I think it was a keyboard bass or iPhone bass. Was um was was that uh this was in the very first set list for the first Hello World full band show. And at the first rehearsal, I tried to get through this and it was clear I didn't know how I was gonna adapt it to guitar. And Jared, who was also there, wasn't sure how to adapt it to bass, I guess. And just more weird time. Like, Violent Angel had weird timing enough, so we cut this the first day because it was clear it wasn't going to work. But yeah, this... At, I guess, at least by 2018 standards, I think this is a... This is one of the finer Hello World songs. Okay, uh, speaking, speaking of that show, this is a song that did make it into the set list. It was the only really old song in that set. This is the bright one um, from 2017's Wreckage. Um... I wrote the bass part for it after Pony Club, but before Wreckage. So I was at a guitar center in Florida. Just This is before I actually owned a bass of my own. I was still using just my dad's bass that was sitting around in the house. And the bass was tuned up a half step. So it was F, B flat, E flat, A flat. And that was the bass's tuning. And I wrote this riff. Fun fact, I also wrote the riff for beads in the same guitar center on a, I guess, understandably different guitar. There are parts of the song that I like a lot, but I think if I wrote it again today, I would definitely change some of the lyrics. I don't know. Some of them don't quite sit well. I think the chorus is great, though. It's a great chorus. In the grand scheme of things, I guess I'm still proud of this one. Alright, this is uh this this is from uh this is from a show I did back in November. This is when I was still working on New Blood in the Sister City. This is the Sam L. Journey EP, and this is me performing an acoustic version of Draw a Straighter Line. This was my first solo performance in a very, let's say, just say over a year and a half. And at the time, I thought Draw a Straighter Line is like, this is the really, this is the hit. And then one of my friends told, uh, told me, hey, Draw a Straighter Line is a bop. And then the album came out and she was like, this song is still a bop. And I remember playing this the studio album on repeat for like several hours because I was selling merch that I made for the album at a thing at my school. And by the time all my merch was out, I was starting to feel very different about the album that I had released that day. Like I wasn't burned out on it yet, but Draw Straight A Line is not a, I don't like Draw Straight A Line. 
it's in the camp of songs like uh, You're Not a Mutual Trends and Pooch Punt. Those two songs were like deliberately, pretty much deliberately written to be hits. This wasn't, this was based on, you know, random chords and shit, but there's something about it that just doesn't sit well with me. Uh, I think I was kind of trying to write a hit here too. And I've learned since that trying to write hits is a great way for me to get really tired of songs. Resident Daisy Cutter from Skin at 15 Degrees is another example of that. Okay. I don't want to talk about this much because it sucks. This is another trends outtake. It's Report to the Ghost from the White Diamond EP. It's bad. That's the most I'm going to talk about it. This is a bad song. This is Cephalophore from um, from, uh, from from the often mentioned uh, Stereo Butterfly from September 2017. This is in a different tuning. I know the tuning is listed on the Bandcamp, but I'm too lazy to go and check it. I think... I might have been recording either the guitar or bass for this with my dorm room door open because a dude walked, someone on my floor walked by and was like, hey, you a musician? Yeah. And he was like, I want to see you play sometime. And I said, okay. So I'd always tell him whenever I had a show lined up and he never came. Yeah, I don't know. This, uh, this, this song's okay. I guess I don't think about it ever. Man. So this is from the Currents EP. Uh, this is Remember the Imperfections, but it's the version that I wrote and recorded for You're Not Immune to Trends. Yeah, you may have may remember that song from Quartered. This was written and recorded for You're Not Immune to Trends. And I remember um, this was actually cut somewhere in the middle of me working on the album. I don't remember. No, this is one of the later ones cut. But it wasn't like having a time where it was right up to the end trying to figure out whether I needed it there or not. And I remember um, uh, the day I released Trends, I released the album and like I had a, a giant shift at work today. I was at work for like nine hours that day. It was terrible. And I spent a lot of that day really honestly, like my one pervading thought was I should have put Imperfections in the album. And the reason I cut it was because I thought it didn't sound, I thought I would it would do better with the sound I knew I was going to do for Quartered. Except the way I recorded it for Quartered wasn't the way I planned on doing it either. And the sound that I plan on doing on for this Uncorded ended up being You're a Dream. Like in my head, Imperfections did, and in a way still does, sound like Cleaners from Venus. And I never really got that across. Uh, this is um this is 13 Days, the first track on Ballads for Glass Children, which is the last thing I ever made with an electronic drum kit that I have in my basement. At this point, the hi-hat was busted, so I didn't use a hi-hat on the whole album. And I remember Dylan from Cheyenne Dan, I remember seeing, meeting up with him on the first day of TCNJ, and we all moved in, and he thought it was absolutely nuts that I did that. Uh, this song, I think I also wrote for a compilation, like a dude I knew who was like, was like, write songs about summer. So I wrote this, because it was 13 days before I moved to TCNJ, and I was so excited to be at TCNJ. I remember getting like really, really antsy about it. It's a good song, I think. I also, I think I told myself, managed to convince myself that I'd written a song in 13.8, but I don't think it's 13.8. Oh man, uh, this is the remake of Life is Shit that I recorded on the White Diamond EP. This was another trends outtake. Man, I'm getting a lot of trends outtakes. I don't think this version came out great, which is why it's not in the album. This was the period when I was starting to get disillusioned with the idea of going back and digging through older songs to like make them new. 
because Trends, I re-recorded this, Beads, and then two versions of White Diamond because I was digging through 2017 EP tracks that I thought deserved better. And I tried re-recording them and none of them came out great. Uh, I tried the the idea one last time I quartered where I went through all my older uh, non-Hello World projects and re-recorded tracks from, I want to say all of them, and some of them might have ended up on the album. I recorded a lot of remakes recorded. This song isn't even on Corded, and I'm talking about that album instead. And after Corded, I was like, all right, I'm going to stop paying so much attention to remakes because it's a waste of time, energy, and resources. And a lot of those older songs suck anyway. And especially now that I'm doing uh, doing Atlantic Witchcraft and the way I'm making the music is so different, it's like, yeah, these are the best songs I've ever written. I don't need to do old stuff again. All right, what's next? Okay, this song has a does have a story behind it. Um... This is Almost Got It from Arrow Fantasies. This was an outtake from uh, Some Shred of Optimism. It's a song that I didn't end up recording any bass and drums for. It didn't make it to that stage, and it's the only song in that EP that didn't get re-recorded. The, the instrumental version of this song, without the vocals at all, like the vocals recorded later. The original version uh, was for a, stu a campus movie fest submission of the same name. Like the song, the film's called Almost Got It. I never actually watched the film, but the guy was like, I want a song that kind of sounds like Riot Van by Arctic Monkeys, but, is it, but liter isn't literally that song because that's an Arctic Monkeys song. And he's like, and I can't use that. And I was like, okay, I'll go listen to it and get back to you. Now, I don't like Arctic Monkeys and listening to Riot Van did not make me suddenly like them. But the moment I heard the first major seventh chord that opened the song, I was like, okay, I know exactly where I'm taking this song. And I was like, how long do you want? I want a minute. So I recorded it and then I recorded vocals. Okay. Interesting pick here. This is The Wheel is Fixed from Collection of X's and Y's because the, the background of the cover for that album is taken from a book called The Wheel is Fixed. I remember banging on a recycling bin in a new res lounge to record the percussion for this. Because this song is long, I'm actually going to talk about making this album. Um, I recorded a lot of this album in a new res lounge. This was the one eight track dedicated eight track album that I did um, uh, during my uh, during my fall 2018 semester. This album was at this point a good bit removed um, from a nasty, nasty breakup that took that. I wasted a lot of time letting that thing wind down. That took a month. It took a month for that breakup to actually just be like, all right, we have to never talk to each other ever again because there's no hope here. We just shouldn't. And uh, I don't remember quite about the lyrics for this one. I just know, uh, here, fun tidbit. The name collection of X's and Y's is X's. It's written out like their letters. X's is like an X, X partner. I'm saying X partner because my last partner was non-binary. So I'm not going to say X girlfriend because that's not true. And then Y's was like, why? The question, why? Why do I do this to myself? The song wheel is fixed for me right now has very strong like like Lou Barlow vibes but I guess a lot of that album kind of does the song this song really does actually it brings to mind a song called the devil and the Barbie doll I think it's a good song it's I mean the whole album's kind of a mess but it's a good mess I think all right I'm gonna stop talking about songs soon because we're hitting the 50 minute mark so this song right here is Traction and the 19th from Accorded, their one song. These songs were different tracks but sequenced together on the last album by my high school band. Uh, Traction, I think, was a little faster originally. And then 19th was a song that I had so carefully... I, I, 
I was so careful about putting it together before I brought it to the band that when I did, finally did, the other two guys in the band were just like, you should probably just do all the instruments yourself because you have such a clear, firm handle on it. And then, so I did the whole thing myself in my, in our bassist's uh, basement. And when we put out the album, I I wasn't going to try to push it as hit. I mean, no one was going to listen to it anyway, but I didn't think that was the hit. But our, our drummer, who was not on the song, was like, this is the best song in the album. You should tell people to listen to that. And I was like, it's not really us, though. It's just me. And he's like, yeah, but it's the best song. So after that, it was like, all right, I should remake the 19th on my own. And then Hello Rule took off, and I thought, ah, now's the time, but I never really did, so it took almost three years for me to actually re-record it. This is, ooh, okay, I like this one. My first album, Afternoon, is kind of a mixed bag, but I honestly think that in some ways, even though it's at this point well over three, I think at this point it's about, it's going on three and a half years old. Three and a half, wow. And I still think this song came out pretty well. I don't remember what the song's about. Or I think I, I don't remember enough of what the song's about to feel comfortable talking about it. I just know that even at the time, I knew this was special. This song was one of the first off songs that are on after this is the first one I recorded. The other three I recorded at that time uh, were, put, were released as Hello Dirt Man. Okay. This is Grinder, the second to last track on Mirror Universe. There's not, absolutely nothing special about this song. I think I wrote the organ part visiting Rowan for a day and I wrote recorded on a on a pump organ but I didn't actually record it I wrote it on a pump organ so I just had to remember what I played I'm gonna skip ahead a little see if this song ever gets interesting yeah no you're not missing anything we're not knowing that song this on the other hand this is aimless rights from 2017's my heaven I, I still really like this song. I, I wrote the song and guitar and played it through, and then I decided that the second guitar, rather than play that, was going to play the relative major or minor for that song, for that part. So I did, and it, it ended up sounding really cool, which is really funny because the song wasn't written on guitar. It was written by screwing with a sample, which is what shows up at the end of the song. That's where the song was written. I'm really proud of this one. Okay. Let's say... The next 2019 song will be the last one I talk about. And I guess that's it. This is the last song I'm going to talk about today. Uh, this is the, uh, the, uh, the cover of Wire's Boiling Boy on the This Isn't Home EP. It's just vocals and acoustic guitar, which is an odd way to approach really any Wire song, but Boiling Boy in particular is where I want to approach that, because I know I, like, I played it a little differently too. But at this point, I was on a giant wire kick, and the Strays version of Boiling Boy was like my favorite song in the world. I still think that's the best version of the song, too. And I think this version came out okay. I ended up uh, performing it as the first song in my set on the Sentimental Journey EP. And one of the guys running the show after the set was like, hey, cool wire cover. All right. Um, this I know I recorded during, uh, during the New Blood sessions. Um, so anyway, that, that about, uh, that about wraps, wraps it up for, uh, episode one of Maximum Rivage and Cartoon Violence, the Hello World podcast sponsored by Musical Loser. Uh, I'd like to thank you for tuning in if you made it this far. Uh, why? I don't know why you did that. I'm just talking about myself. 
But hey, I mean, if, if you're into that sort of thing, that's kind of what this uh, podcast is for. So uh, thank you for listening, and I'll, uh, I'll see you around. Take care.